I want to speak to you for a short time on how honor is the currency of elevation. Honor is the currency of elevation. And we will look together to Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36 through 47. And then we will jump to verses 44 through 48, and I will fill in the blanks for you. Say it again. Honor is the currency of elevation. When you develop a culture of honor, you are operating in godly principles that will affect every area of your life, your job, your friendships, your marriage. However, ultimately, it will affect your walk with God. And I believe honor is the currency that God uses to bring elevation. If you want to ascend to any level of influence, you must learn that heaven's currency and favor is based in honor. And throughout Scripture, we can see this concept woven deep into the fabric of God's Word, from the Genesis all the way through to the Revelation. As a Christian, everywhere we go, we should look for opportunities to bring honor to the lives of people that are all around us, in our conversations, in the way we treat people, in the things that we do with them at home, at work, at the grocery store. Listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are carriers of this gift of honor, and we have something to give. If you see someone doing a good job, tell them they're doing a good job. Recognize them right then and there. Right in front of their coworkers, begin to let them know. Say, hey, you're doing a really good job. Well, that brings honor, and you're not just doing them a favor. You are doing yourself a favor. When you show honor, there is a commanded blessing that is poured back on to you. Show honor by respecting the position. You may not agree with the policy, but because you are a person of honor, you respect the authority and you do it anyway. And I have learned in over 30 years of ministry that the amount of honor that you show motivated by a good heart will be directly related to the amount of God's favor that you receive. Oh, hear that again. I have found that the amount of honor that you show, motivated by a good heart, will be directly related to the amount of God's favor that you receive in your life. It's like a heavenly bank account, and God keeps good books. He always brings things into account. And I've also learned if you are a Scrooge with giving out your honor, and your attitude is... Well, if you say, well, I, I can't give them credit, they'll look better. Again, you won't see God's favor in your life like you should. Instead, you are making withdrawals from your heavenly leadership bank account, and you soon will be operating in the red. And these withdrawals, they hinder your character. I'll hear it again. These withdrawals, they hinder your character. What is character? Well, character is the mental and the moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Your character is the result of your choices. Your choices create your character. Do you have a godly character based on godly choices? And these withdrawals, they hinder your character. They take away from God's ability to give you influence and to give you wisdom simply because you can't be trusted to build up the people that are all around you already. And there's no doubt in my mind that God wants to use you to better others. However, can he trust you to speak life into the ones he has put you in contact with on a daily basis? So many times we hear pastors 
say, well, you can trust God, you can trust God. And my friend, you can trust God. He is so much more than anything I can ever describe. However, the question is, can God trust you? Can he trust you to speak life into the people that are all around you on a daily basis? Not in a way that is manipulative so you can advance. No, please understand, God sees the heart of man. And we read that in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. Because each and every one of us have met someone, possibly on your job or even in your family, and you say, well, the only reason you're trying to be nice, the only reason you're trying to show love is not because you're genuine, but you have an ulterior motive. You're trying to advance yourself. You're trying to advance your own agenda. And it's only a matter of time before people see through that charade, and it causes more damage than it does good. Because people will say, well, you call yourself a Christian, and yet you're not sincere. Well, on the other hand, when you are giving with your honor, operating out of a heart of generosity and a Christ-like love, and you're always giving people credit and treating them with respect and building them up and planting positive seeds of life, well, people will see that as well. And they'll sense the genuine warmth in a Christ-like love. Now, granted, they may not know it's a Christ-like love simply because they don't walk with God, but they look at you and they say, there's something different about you. There's something I don't quite grasp. And what it does, it opens the door for you to speak and plant life into them based on God's Word. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit is moving in an amazing way here at Calvary, and yet the Holy Spirit wants to do so much more. He wants to do over and abundantly above what you could possibly imagine or think. And people will see something in you, and they'll say, oh, that's how you deal with your wife. Oh, that's how you treat your husband. Oh, that's how you react to a culture that is completely against the things of God. Oh, I see now, honor is the currency of elevation then I believe you are making deposits into your heavenly leadership bank account. It shows in your character. And God sees that he can use you and trust you to be a builder in people's lives, a repairer of their broken marriages and broken walls, a restorer of their homes or their paths to dwell in. This is what Isaiah was speaking of when he said in Isaiah, the 58th chapter and the 12th verse, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. People see your life, I get it now, I understand. Well, I believe then God will be generous with his favor back unto you. Remember, favor is nothing more than unmerited grace. It's something you do not deserve, but God pours his blessings on you because he knows he can trust you to point it back to him. To not fall in love with the blessing. Listen, if you want to see more of God's goodness, then show honor in a greater way. In Luke 7, verse 36 through 50, we see this illustrated in a very practical way. Jesus was invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. And when you read the whole story, it's very easy to see that Simon's attitude towards Jesus 
is rather ambivalent. To his credit, he does address him as teacher. However, he doesn't show all the respect Jesus is due. It seems likely that Simon asked Jesus to the dinner party in order to give him the once-over, to try and get a leg up on him, almost like he's checking Jesus out. Some say he was acting like the anxious parents who invite their daughter's boyfriend to dinner in order to check him out to see what this guy is really all about. In my study, I read that other theologians believe that Simon also had invited well-liked or well-minded Pharisees to the house so they can join together and tag-team political religious questions and cause Jesus to trip up. So you see, he's motivated by politics and not so much by honor or the love of God. Now, in Jesus' day, when a guest would come into a house, they were received with a kiss, given a bowl of water with, to wash their hair and dust their feet and a little perfumed oil for their hair. Simon does not extend any of these common courtesies to Jesus. And it caused me to ask the question, why? I can only suppose that Simon was so busy welcoming his really important guests his friends and other Pharisees, that Jesus was overlooked. He was left out. The sea walker and the blind healer, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who told the ocean this far and no further, the same one who would feed thousands with a few loaves and a few fish, he wasn't welcome into Simon's house because he wasn't considered really that important. With that said, then I've got to ask, what have you honored in your life this week? You see, show me the thing you honor, show me the people you honor, and I will show you the person you really are. Show me the kind of things you honor, and I will show you the kind of people you really are. However, the woman who wasn't supposed to be there, she changes everything. And I love this. Because the Bible says, while Jesus reclined at the table, a woman who was living a very sinful life came into the house with an alabaster jar of perfumed oil. That's a very kind way of saying the prostitute snuck through the kitchen, passed all the hired help, walked into the living area and the dining quarters, passed all of the dignitaries, and walked up to Jesus. And while he's reclining at the table, now in our Western mentality, we immediately think, well, if he's at a table, how does she get to his feet? Because we imagine sitting this way. But in the Middle East, when they would recline, they would lay parallel on their side with their hand supporting them, laying on pillows. Notice, she does not go to his head for intimacy. She does not go to his body for sexuality. She goes to his feet for honor and servanthood. And she begins to pour the oil and anoint him, and she wets his feet with her tears. Oil, a perfume in this instance, represented honor and blessing. So you can say she poured her honor on Jesus. She pours her honor on him. 
Now the Pharisee gets very upset, and he says, why did she waste the oil? We could have sold the oil and given the money to the poor. Now for those of you that are frequent Bible readers, this is going to strike something in your mind. It's called the law of first mention. Theologians, they state, whenever something is stated once and then a second time, you must pay close attention. Because almost the exact same thing happened in the life of Jesus. While Jesus was at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Mary comes and she brings some very expensive oil and she pours it at the feet of Jesus. In fact, later we read that Judas Iscariot said the exact same thing that the Pharisee Simon said to Jesus. Judas said in that instance, why was this not sold and the money given to the poor? Now, if you really want to dig deeper, you find out that John said in John chapter 12 that Judas was not interested in the poor. He was motivated by the money because he was a thief and he would steal the money that was in the offering basket. And Judas actually says, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii? It could have been given to the poor. Now listen, 300 denarii in our day and age is about twenty-five dollars to $35,000. So she literally brought twenty-five dollars to $35,000 and pours it on the feet of Jesus. It is a small fortune. Jesus looks at Simon, and Jesus will later look at the... At, Judas Iscariot, and say the exact same thing, the law of first mention. He tells them both, leave, them, leave her alone. She has done the right thing. Leave her alone. She has done the best thing, which tells us anytime you are showing honor, God is saying you are doing the best thing. And again, remember, Judas is not motivated by the poor, and Simon's not motivated by the poor. Oh, the hypocrisy was running deep. There's no honor being shown here. Now listen, this is where the story in the house of Simon really takes off. Because the Bible tells us when you read the whole narrative that Simon begins to think in his mind. He doesn't articulate the words, he thinks in his mind. But he doesn't know that he is dealing with the one who created the mind. He doesn't realize he is speaking to the very one who walked into the cool of the garden and formed man out of a pre-existing substance and saw that it was good, but God never formed something that he's not going to fill. So he leaned over and <sighs> filled man with an eternal spirit. So you really don't know who you are till you have God breathe on you. And Simon, motivated by political gain, is thinking in his mind, and he has this thought. And he says to himself, this man must not be a prophet, for if he was, he would never allow this woman to do what she is doing. Jesus, reading his thoughts... Fast forward to the year 2018, you still serve a God that knows your thoughts. He knows you intricately. Jesus, reading the thoughts of Simon, he says to him, Simon, I have a question for you. 
Immediately, Simon is thrust onto center stage. This is where he wants to be. He's advancing his own political agenda. Simon, I have a question for you. And Simon turns and says, yes, Lord, what's your question? Simon, there were two people who owed a great debt. Both of them could not pay the debt. So the owner of the debt cancels both debts. Simon, which person would love more. Simon being the perfect politician, he weighs in the balance the perfect politically correct statement. He looks around the room to make sure all his guests are watching. He smiles and says, well, Lord, of course, the one who was forgiven of more would love more. Jesus then turns the table. This is where Twitter takes off. Instagram is about to blow up. Facebook is about to explode. Because Jesus then pulls the curtain of hypocrisy. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Everyone saw the woman. I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I have entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus is literally pulling the hypocrisy and he's showing the heart. Listen to me. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. Then Jesus said to her in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Notice she gave honor and she received favor. What is favor? Nothing but unmerited grace. And when you pour out the oil of honor, motivated by a good heart that loves God, it then becomes the blessing that is returned back to you. No honor, no blessing. Limited honor, limited blessing. You will never receive what you're not willing to give. In your home, in your marriage, on your job, you will never receive what you're not willing to give. In this church family, in this ministry, you will never receive what you're not willing to give. If you don't give honor, you won't have honor to the level that God truly wants you to have. And some of you can go to a new level in your families. Well, dare I say, a new level in this church, you can see breakthroughs and things you've been praying about if you would simply begin to honor the people that God has put into your life in a greater way. In Mark chapter 6, it tells us that Jesus couldn't do any miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. And when you read the whole text, you find out that he healed a few here and he healed a few there, but not to the amount that he really wanted to heal they said, there's nothing special about Jesus. If it happened today, they would say, well, you know, I taught him in the third grade. He played Little League with my kids. 
Isn't this Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, the carpenter's boy? He's no big deal. Oh, friend, what happened was they had no honor for him. The lack of honor is what kept him from doing miracles. The lack of honor hindered the anointing. The anointing is the personality of the Holy Spirit. When you say something is anointed, what you are saying is the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God, that power, that anointing, rest and came upon you. And I didn't see you, I saw Jesus. And it's that anointing or power that heals. And it was a lack of honor that hindered the anointing. In fact, Jesus says in Mark, he tells us in Mark 6 and verse 4, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. In other words, they were so familiar with him that they developed the conformity that is bred from familiarity. Being so familiar with God that it's no big deal, it's just what we do, it's just religion. And they hindered the anointing. There was no fear of the Lord. You see, the fear of the Lord, I categorize, is a deep and unfathomable love for Jesus with an even deeper hatred for sin. I often say, I fear my wife. She's probably watching right now. I know my kids are watching, and my brother-in-law, Mike, and several family members, so hide everyone that's watching. But I fear my wife. How many men fear your wife? All of you better raise your hand. <laughs> Pastor Ed, raise your hand because Jody can take you. And it's not a fear that our wives will beat us up. It's more of a fear that we're going to do something to hurt them, to embarrass them, to damage that relationship because it's based on a deep love that we have for them. So we do everything we possibly can by the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives publicly and privately to in a manner that only brings our wives honor and grace. We stumble and fall. We're not perfect. My family will tell you, I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect father. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not what I'm going to be. Amen. And so you begin to honor in that way, the same way with the Holy Spirit. I fear him. I love him. I don't want to do anything to embarrass him. I don't want to have someone ever come to me and say, are you a Christian? Then why did you say that? Are you a Christian? Then why are you drunk? Are you a Christian? Then why are you looking at that woman that way? Aren't you married? Well, yes. Show me who and what you honor, and I'll show you the kind of person you really are. The same principle applies with the Holy Spirit. Where there is no honor of Him during the week, there'll be no miracles in this house on the weekend. And yet we have the audacity then to blame the pastor. 
And say, why is it that we don't see healings and miracles like they have in third world nations, pastor? Could it be that Monday through Saturday matters? How you live your life with God Monday through Saturday matters. Well, you're not hearing me yet. No honor, no healing. No honor, no promotion. And I believe the amount of power that God releases in your ministry and in your personal life, not just in the house in general or the body of Christ in general, but in your ministry and in your house and in your life, is directly related to the amount of honor that you show the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So the question then becomes, is the Holy Spirit the honored guest at your home? It then becomes, it's not should I do something, but why I don't. It's not should I go somewhere at that, you know, but why I don't. It's not should I overindulge in certain areas of my life, but why I don't. And the reason I don't, I'm honoring and fearing and protecting the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The moment I received Christ into my life as my Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God came to live within me, and I'm protecting that power. I do not want any hindrance to God's presence in my life. Well, taking this a step further, Paul said in Ephesians 6, 2, and 3, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you might live long in the land. You know, that's the commanded blessing. If you show honor, it'll go well with you. It should start in our own families with the people that are closest to us. Yet I have seen people treat complete strangers better than they treat their own spouse. John Palmer, a dear friend of Pastor and I, he said this. He said, we need to give the best of our love, time, and affection to those who will be the last to leave our casket." Many of the people we sacrifice so much time with to please them won't even lose their appetite at our funeral. They'll eat all the potato salad, and your family that you neglected will never touch a single bit. Wow. I've seen people treat complete strangers better than their own families. While speaking at a very large church, much like this one, I was in the lobby, and uh, it, they had a Starbucks there, and I was drinking my coffee, and I'm watching the people come in, and I watched a young man walk across the parking lot, and he had it together. He had a tight skinny jeans on, his brown patent leathers, his hair was just faded perfect. He had a little goatee. I mean, he was just GQing it, and he came, how's it going, man? Good to see you, bro. Good to see you. How? And he's shaking hands with everyone, and as he crossed my line of vision, I noticed his wife was behind him, gorgeous young lady, probably about this tall, and he had her loaded down like a pack mule. She had one diaper bag here, one diaper bag here, and she was pushing the stroller with one hand, and she was pulling a two-year-old, and the two-year-old was doing the wet noodle. And she's dragging him. Meanwhile, he's in there shaking hands, and, and I'm watching this, and the ushers ran out to help her. 
He turned around, he had the church bulletin in his hand, and he saw me, we made eye contact, and he looked at the picture, he looked at me, he goes, hey, dude, what's up? And I said, what's up? I said, come here. He said, what's up, man, what's up? I said, you're going to pay for that. He goes, oh, yeah, I, I paid for my coffee. I wanted to say, no, dummy. But he was about to have a Scooby-Doo moment. For those of you my age and older, you know exactly what I mean. Who? Oh. I said, you're going to pay for that. He said, pay for what? I said, pay for that. And he looked over, and the ushers were helping his wife get the baby out. They were folding the, the stroller and taking them off to the Christian education wing. And he looks at me with that, that look, that Scooby-Doo look. Oh? I said, let me explain it to you because you're not catching it. You're going to pay for that. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not five years down the road or 10 years down the road or even 20 years down the road, but one day you're going to pay for that if you don't change. And she gets a belly full and goes, see ya. He said, well, why, pastor, why? I said, because women are like volcanoes. And Kilauea, you know, was going off at the time, and they had it in the church lobby. Uh, they had the, the video of Kilauea going off. I said, women are like volcanoes. He said, what do you mean? I said, I've been to Hawaii. I've seen Kilauea. It's gorgeous. It's majestic. They've got golf courses all around it. There's palm trees. But what they don't know is on the inside, <laughs> it's really getting hot. And if you don't let that vent... He went, oh. I gave the altar call that morning, and he was the first in the altar. He met me in the lobby after service with tears in his eyes, holding his son. He said, I just want to let you know, I went and picked up my kids from the nursery. <laughs> oh. I said, I'm proud of you. Carly and I celebrated our 29-year wedding anniversary, November 4th. Yeah. And uh, my wife is amazing. She's organized. She's brilliant. She's everything I'm not. And, and she'll organize the closet, and she'll get it put in such a perfect way, you know. And she has all the boxes she orders from Amazon, and, and they're all perfect. Me, I just throw my clothes in there and let it work itself out. And she came to me, and she said, you know, you're really bugging me. And I said, how am I bugging you? What? I get this organized. I put it all together. I do it just right. And then two days, three days later, Hurricane Randy comes through here and you don't even care. And it looks, you should see the elbows flying right now. And I let it go in one ear and out the other. And I really didn't pay much attention to it until I lost my golf shoes. And I couldn't find them, and the guys were waiting for me, and I didn't have the guts to ask my wife if she'd seen them. Because she has an amazing line, they can't walk away on their own. Same with my car keys, you know. They can't walk away on their own. And so I was on my hands and knees in the closet, afraid to ask my wife, and I made the mistake in this instance of asking the Holy Spirit. 
And I said, Lord, can you help me find my golf shoes? And I didn't hear an audible voice. It was just something deep down inside. And the Holy Spirit said, when are you going to start honoring your wife by doing what she asked so I can honor your prayer? Well, that can't be God. And then the Spirit of the Lord brought to remembrance 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be, what? Hindered. And I began to weep. Lord, are you saying that if I don't honor my wife in this way, my prayers are not answered, the dreams may not come to pass? Could it be that if we started showing more honor, this building would be packed? We would see breakthroughs we've been praying for. I immediately said, Lord, are you telling me that miracles are being hindered in my ministry? Lives are being stopped from coming to know Christ because I can't keep the closet clean? And the Holy Spirit whispered, no, the closet is the trigger point. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Don't you dare miss this. You see, Satan, Randy, creates a train of thought in your wife that so fits her way of thinking that she supposes it comes from her own line of reasoning. And when she asks you to do these things, and likewise, ladies, the same for the husband. When the husband asks the wife and says, comes to you and says, hey, this is what I need, and, and you ignore them, it, Satan will construct a train of thought that so fits your way of thinking that suddenly the thoughts come, he doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. He, does, he doesn't think you know, what you're doing is important. And I stood there and I realized as the Holy Spirit whispered, Randy, you're opening Carlene up to spiritual warfare that she should never have to deal with. Simon had control over the environment of honor in his home, but he was so busy honoring everything else that he opened himself up to other things. I immediately said, Lord, I'm going to need your help. Why is it especially important that you honor your, husband's, honor your husband because honor is one of your husband's greatest needs? And you can say the right thing, but if you say it in a dishonorable way, he is going to not to hear you. He's not going to listen to you. Husbands, if you're completely always making fun of your wife or nagging your wife or pointing at all her things, and you think, well, you know what, it, 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 I'm just joking. That's what we do. You know, we just joke together. You know, Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, she knows I'm just messing with her, but how much of that does the devil take and open her up to spiritual warfare? If there's the slightest bit of dishonor, sarcasm, or disrespect, 
I began to pray this week. I said, Lord, what is it that is keeping? We've come so far in our church. We're a lampstand, a candlestick, Lord. We've come so far. What is it that's hindering us from creating the atmosphere of God? Lord, what is it that, why, how are we going to fill the building? And the Lord said to me, tell them it's time to develop a culture of honor in their church and in their home." Hebrews 13, 4 says, give honor in marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. I'm almost done with this. Give me just a couple more minutes. I was watching a television interview a while back. Franklin Graham was being interviewed during the height of the transgender issue with Target bathrooms. And how many remember that? And, And the interviewer asked Franklin Graham, the interviewer said this. He said, don't you think Mr. Graham, Pastor Graham, that it's time to bring the Bible kicking and screaming into the 21st century? Franklin Graham, he said this. He said, no, sir. It's time to bring culture kicking and screaming back to what the Bible teaches because that is where all the problems are coming from. Absolutely, yes. And either we are going to accept that the Bible is a source of truth on marriage and family and every other topic and honor God's Word in our life, or we are not. And you can't pick and choose what parts of the Bible you agree with and what fits your culture. If you follow cultural clues, your marriage may be doomed. Now let me be completely transparent with you and tell you the only possible way for me to be the honorable husband and father and Christian and pastor that God's calling me to be, it's impossible. I'm telling you, it's impossible without a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit of God on a daily basis. I need Him. I need Him. And Ephesians 5.18 tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. That means, in the Greek, it means being filled over and over and over again. And friend, there's no possible way that you can do that in this day and age of political correctness. There's no way you can be that honorable Christian you're supposed to be and honor your spouse without a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you agree with that, somebody lift your hands. And I'll be honest with you, the sad reality is you may be around people that are dishonorable, people that are hard to love and hard to respect. And sometimes you have to honor people by faith and treat them not the way they are, but the way you want them to become. I want our musicians to come quickly. You see, when you honor someone who is dishonorable and you give someone respect that doesn't really deserve respect, when you're kind, even when they are not kind, you are sowing a seed for them to become the way you want to treat them. And let me tell you, that is the most difficult thing to do because the human body, the human psyche says, you speak bad about me, I speak bad about you. You hurt me, I hurt you. Another sad reality is there are people right now in this room and people watching us by live stream who have family members who don't deserve honor. Maybe a father that sexually abused you. 
And to you, my heart goes out. Maybe a relative that cheated you, a brother-in-law that's always talking bad about you again and again. And, and the way to win is not by pouring more dishonor on a dishonorable situation. No, take the high road. And say, Holy Spirit, there's no possible way I can do this. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I need you, Lord, to help me to love like I've never been hurt. Don't miss tonight part two of this message. To love like I've never been hurt. I heard a story about a grown adult who mistreated and abused their father. It got to the point they couldn't even be in the same room together. And I realize you might be sitting here and you might be saying, Pastor, you're asking me to honor someone that I can't stand. You're asking me to honor someone that I can't even be in the same room with. I hate them. If you knew what they did to me, and I realize you may not be at a point where you can interact with them, but it's an act of honor just to pray for them to change. And then pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with an anointing that you can love this holiday season like you've never been hurt. And when you start to honor that person and treat them the way you want them to become, and you're kind even when they are not kind, you're loving even when they are distracted and not loving, little by little you're making deposits into your heavenly bank account, and that person is lifted higher and higher and higher, and if you will keep pouring in the honor, then before long they will be living at the level God created them to live. Not because you fought with them, not because you treated them the way they treated you, but because you were a person of honor and prayer. You just kept pouring into their life because you surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. And you said, Lord, that you would fill me. And God began to pour favor upon Calvary, Orlando. And suddenly the building is filled because those of us that are here are living and walking in a culture of honor. We're literally saying, Father, you give the vision that we need to our lead pastor and we'll follow the vision. We're not building our own kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God, Lord. We're building the kingdom of God. But Pastor Eddie, they don't deserve it. And neither did you, Mule. And yet God gave you unmerited grace. I heard the all too familiar story about a young man in his early 20s who had a big disagreement with his dad. He left the house angry and they did not speak for 30 years. His sister called and said, dad is in the hospital. It's not looking good, he's gonna die. The young man went to the hospital and. As he walked in, he looked over at his father, said, Dad, I'm sorry, I drove the four hours to tell you, I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but I'm gonna change it. He started honoring his father. He would take his children to see the dad on a regular basis. The dad moved in with them to, in their cramped little apartment. 
And the son changed his family to a culture of honor from a culture of dishonor. And to the doctor's amazement, dad made a miraculous turnaround. It wasn't too long after that that he got a promotion that he was trying to get for over 10 years. He didn't know how he was going to send his oldest daughter to the university she wanted to be in. And when he changed his family to a culture of honor, out of nowhere, she received a scholarship to the university fully paid that she was hoping to get into. One thing began to fall into the place, and before long, he got a promotion, and they were able to buy a brand new house. You have to ask why. Well, I believe where there's a culture of dishonor, God's blessing is pulled back from your life. You'll not walk in the fullness of what God has in store for you. However, you will do like this son and find the area of dishonor and start bringing honor, start bringing respect. Then you can break the cycle of dishonor and you will see God's favor in a greater way. And there's no doubt in my mind that we have had in the last four, five years since Pastor Ed has been here, a modicum of amazing turnaround. How many say amen to that? It has been amazing. But listen to me, it's nothing to the level that God wants Ask yourself, am I satisfied with just the little miracles like Jesus did in Nazareth? Or do I want an upper room experience? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless. You have the ability to choose.